0: Thank you, thank you so much. Alright, Mark chapter 4, we've started off the last, this will be the third message that we have started with this passage of scripture and we are still dealing with issues of of life and we're still dealing with the idea of doubts and we're going to expand that just a little bit um, for the next couple weeks anyway. Tonight we're going to read this passage of scripture and have prayer. And say a few things about that, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time over in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 10, one of the key passages of scripture regarding this area of doubts and other thoughts and things that, that we have that we can get from the flesh, the world, and the devil. And we'll just kind of see a great, great passage on how to have victory in our daily life. And the battle, the really, the battle is in the mind. Um, That's certainly where it is, and so uh, Mark chapter 4, this should become a very familiar passage, and we'll start in verse 35. In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full." And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and he awake him and said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? even the wind and the sea obey him. Of course, the disciples were just learning about Jesus, who he was. In Matthew 14, when when Peter walked on the water, he began to sink. Jesus raised him up, and he said, wherefore didst thou doubt? So no faith, doubting are very closely related, and so let's see what the scripture has to say tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word of God, the precious word, and and uh, even as we were singing that last hymn, uh, sound the battle cry, one of those words, one of the lines of that chorus, ready, steady, pass the word along. So that speaks of encouragement. We need to encourage rather than discourage one another, encourage each, everybody, uh, each other to be strong, to be of comfort and to be, and to be of faith, knowing, Father, that we are on the victory side and we have victory in Jesus, as we sang. Lord, help us tonight as we go into the Word of God, I pray, as always, for the help of the Holy Spirit, we pray these things in Christ's precious name, amen. Alright, so, tonight here, uh, Mark chapter 4, a very familiar passage, and the disciples, Jesus tells them to go over to the other side, and he didn't mean eternity, he meant the other side of the, of the lake course, a great storm of wind came up, which could come, one of the things about the Sea of Galilee, storms could come without warning. And so the Lord Jesus is in the hinder part, it says, in other words, he was down below where there would be corners for people to rest, and he was asleep, and they woke him up, and uh, and he said, peace be still. And uh, immediately, uh, the, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And so um, the word peace there, peace be still, it's really one word. Jesus just said silence, and it was all quiet. And similar to the, the phrase or the statement in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. The idea is cease from all activity, just like it was here. He told the wind to cease, and God tells us to cease. We need to do that. We need to set aside time. Really, we ought to do it every day if we can, set aside time every day just to give to the Lord. All right, so um, we're taking a look at uh, 2 Corinthians now, chapter 10, and this is a key passage to have victory, and we're going to start in verse number 3. A couple years ago, after one of our pastor's fellowship meetings, a bunch of us were sitting around the lunch table, and there were a couple of young guys, and of course they these young guys, they um, out of, fresh out of college, they know everything, they have all the answers, and, and so one of them made the comment that, well, the battle's really over. Um, there really are no issues to battle today, and I thought, boy, that's, I wonder, I hope they didn't learn that in college, but that seems to be the attitude among younger guys today, that the battle's over, and so they don't understand the separatist fundamentalism, they don't like it, they don't want to be a part of it, During that same conversation, one of the younger men said, well, there's really nothing in the Bible about music. One of the guys said, have you ever read Psalms? (laughs) Anyway, so there's a lot of misconception out there, but there is a battle. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul addresses that in uh, verse 3. So first of all, we want to take a look at, there is a passage, or there is a battle, rather. We are involved in a spiritual war. Notice, verse 3, for though we walk... In the flesh, in other words, we're in the body. Um, we live in this imperfect body. We live in in this on this earth, and we do our we serve the Lord. We walk each day in the, in the flesh. But He says we do not war after the flesh. So, a couple things there. Number one, the battle is not physical; it's spiritual, and therefore we don't fight the battle in our own strength. We must fight in the strength of God. So we're going to, next Sunday night, Lord willing, the message is going to be about the whole armor of God. It really goes along. uh, But this passage is really a good place to start. And then it kind of lends itself to the passage in Ephesians about the whole armor of God. Before that, let's take a look at what the Bible says here. So number one, our battle is spiritual, not Physical. And we're going to see that emphasize again next week in Ephesians. Alright? Number two, our weapons are not physical, but spiritual. Notice verse four, for the weapons of our warfare. Right. See, it doesn't just say, you know, there's some minor issues or there's minor conflict or things don't always go great. That's not what it says. You know, Paul says that we are in a warfare. Notice the weapons of our warfare. All right, so it's not just the missionary or the evangelist or the pastor that's in the warfare. It's every Christian is in a war. And so God wants us, the Bible says we are to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so we need to just bark it down Realize it. Accept it. Embrace the fact that we are in a spiritual war. And the devil does, has no mercy. He does not slack off. He doesn't go easy. Um, the devil is all out against us, against Christ, against the Bible, against the church, against the family, against everything that's why these, these things I just mentioned are having so much trouble today. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they are not of the earthly realm. You know, it's not literal guns or swords or spears or shields or helmets or armor. No, it's not physical. It is, but it's spiritual. But notice what else it says. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. They're powerful. The word mighty there is the idea that they are fully sufficient. We never have to be concerned that the devil's weapons are greater than ours. So and I was, and, and, and and again certainly it says they're mighty through God, because God created these weapons. God gave us these weapons. God empowers these weapons, and but they're ours to use. That are, they are at our disposal. Now, the next verse and a half are all about the things that we fight. And again, you're going to see that these are uh, spiritual things. They are philosophies. Um, even the Bible even calls them thoughts. Alright? And so they are doctrines. They are beliefs. Um, they are values, so to speak. Well, let's see what they are. There's actually uh, three things that Paul talks about here. And the common thread is in verse number five. It says about the middle verse that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So you have the knowledge of God, and then you have everything else. And the knowledge of God, we could substitute the scripture for that. All right? The attacks are against God's word. Now, let's see what they are. Verse number four, again, mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. So the first description of our enemy, or the enemy's tactics, is strongholds. Strongholds are literally enemy fortresses. So they're forts. They're castles that are fortified. And these have to be pulled down. Let's take a look at Back, hold your place. In 2 Corinthians, let's take a look back in the book of Jeremiah for just a moment. When God called Jeremiah to preach, God called him to be a prophet. By the way, this is one of those passages that we use to uh, speak out against abortion. Alright, let's take a look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So this is a verse right here, verse number five. All these things God had determined before Jeremiah was even conceived. We can say that about every every human being. God already knows all about their life. And of course, with someone like Jeremiah, it's more than just knowing, God ordained and God worked circumstances, arranged things, so Jeremiah would be exactly what he was. And so, um, then then said I, verse 6, Ah, oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Right, so Jeremiah responded like a lot of people respond when they realize that God is calling them. Uh, they we, I say we because same with me, we realize that we're not adequate. We can't do it. And that's exactly where God wants us to be. This, I don't think this wasn't an excuse like Moses made. This is legitimate. Jeremiah just felt he wasn't adequate. And he wasn't. He said, I'm not qualified. He's not. I'm not a good speaker. He wasn't. Okay, nobody can speak well enough, all right? Speech, the, speaking might be a natural talent, but it's not a spiritual gift. In fact, we got to get rid of our talents, our natural abilities, and rely on the, the grace that God gives, and, so, and that's what we do. Now, then, but the Lord said, in verse 7, unto me, say not, in other words, don't keep saying that, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. And you can imagine if you read the book, when you as you read the book of Jeremiah, you can't, you know, there's no pictures in the book of Jeremiah, but you can get, the, you can get an idea of the faces of the people of Judah that were so against his ministry. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, um, saith the Lord. Then put the Lord forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. And so this touch... Was was a picture of the Spirit of God implanting the Word of God in Jeremiah's mind and mouth. And this, this, like we read all these to get to verse ten. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down. Same statement that we find in Second Corinthians, and to destroy and to throw down. To build and to plant. Now, and it's interesting that any ministry of the Word of God involves those things. Uh, before somebody will be saved, there's some things that have to be chopped down. you know, Spiritual amputation, if you will. Spiritual surgery on their mind and heart. People have a lot of religious baggage that they have to forget about. In fact, repentance is really involves that changing wrong thinking, right? And so, um, a lot of things that Jeremiah had to try to root out and pull down and uh, destroy and throw down, in order that he could build and plant, which was God's, which was God's plan for the people of Israel. And then, verse 19: "And they shall fight against thee." But they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. And boy, did they ever fight against Jeremiah. In fact, I'm not sure of any other prophet that had such a battle in his own country as Jeremiah. But you know, God kept his promise. And boy, they fought against him. But God, he prevailed. God was with him. And what I find precious too is throughout the book of Jeremiah, God used others to encourage him. Um, Barak and different, different ones like that um, and so Jeremiah was able to have that victory by the way years and years and years ago <clears throat> I think it might have been during Bible school I underlined that verse in my Bible they shall fight against thee but they shall not prevail against thee for I am with thee and saith the Lord to deliver thee so let's go back to 2nd Chronicles chapter 10 and yes the, Jer- the the ministry of Jeremiah was a constant battle a constant war against the false doctrines and the false ideas of the people of Judah. And so, pulling down of strongholds. So, number one, there are strongholds. There are enemy fortresses. And you you know, even in America tonight, the devil has a lot of strongholds. Uh, Satan has established himself. And he's got these areas. Um, You know, and... uh, He's got, you know, immorality is one of the areas that he has and, and substance abuse um, and evolution. Uh, this whole thing of evolution, I refuse, I won't call it a theory because it's not. It doesn't even qualify as a theory. At best, it's somebody's hypothesis, somebody's wild guess. But evolutionism is, is it has gained a grip on the young people of America. And it makes it more difficult. That's why the devil does it. Um, these entrenchments, if you will, make they put up obstacles against the gospel. Because if God's not the creator, and man's not made in the image of God, and if there was no fall, if there was no Adam and Eve, and if there was no fall, then there's no need of a savior, there's no salvation, and they're being taught there's no spirit, um, there's no soul, They're even being taught that if you die, you come back as something else, so it doesn't matter. All these crazy things, all these strongholds, these fortresses, if you will. Alright, second, verse 5 talks about imaginations. Casting down imaginations. By the way, these these are violent words. Pulling down, casting down. It's like the idea of going in and, and and you with a battering ram or you know that kind sort of thing and just and just demolishing. A great example is when God said to the people of Israel, "When you become, when you come to land, you destroy everything." Not just the people, you destroy their idols, and their pictures, and their books, and anything and everything that, would, that, re, that reminds you of their civilization, their philosophy, their religion, get rid of them all. And so the Lord says here, casting down imaginations. Imaginations are arguments, reasonings, and there's again, there's a lot of those. I mean, you can go to college today. And you can study philosophy. And you can become a philosopher. And there's a lot of those running around our country today. There are arguments. There are reasonings. And these obviously these are against the truth of God's word. I saw something as we were going through channels last night. And we were six feet apart. But anyway, we were watching TV. And, and uh, the, the Star of Bethlehem was advertised. Oh, that's interesting. And Jan goes, be careful. I said, yeah, I know. So the guy gets on there, and he says this. There's, There's a lot of debate. There's a lot of controversy about the Star of Bethlehem. There are those on the one, and this is what he said, those on the one extreme that say, well, the Bible says it, so it has to be true. We're not going there, he said. Then there's the other extreme that it didn't happen and it was made up and all this. We're not gonna go there either. We're gonna try to find the real star. So we talked about Kepler and all these guys and how now they can, through astronomy and through computers, they can chart exactly what the skies were like. And I said, you know what, I've had enough. She said, me too. So they're saying it was a comet or it was an asteroid or it was a meteorite or it was this or it was that. Well, that's one of those imaginations. You know, And it's, if they only realize the stories that they tell are, are, are so, more, so more far-fetched than what the Bible simply says. God said it was a star. And it was a star. By the way, it's the only one that moved at God's direction. It's the only one that stopped right over the house where the child Jesus was. And so those are imaginations. And I mentioned every, you know, every Christmas time, every Easter time, all these programs come out. Trying to give us the real, what really happened, you know, Jesus' birth and all those things, and, and then Jesus, his death and his resurrection, and, and they don't they don't believe the scriptures, and so, so those are the things that we are to pull down, cast down, imaginations, all right, and then notice number three, every high thing. Now a high thing is like a wall or a fence. Or a barrier that man sets up. Um, so it is a high, and the word and the, and, and the word high here means literally high. And it's the idea of elevated or conceited or up in opposition to God. So every obstacle, barrier that is raised up against us. Again, there's a lot of those today. People are building fences against the word of God. They're, in communities, they're building literal fences and walls to keep churches out and that that kind of thing. So, any of these things, notice that after verse number 4, there is a semicolon, and in fact, there's a semicolon after verse 5. And so, these are examples, strongholds, imaginations, are examples of High things, and so Paul said. He, Paul's not giving the whole list. He says, "You know, we cast, pull down strongholds, we cast down imaginations, and every other high thing, whatever it might be, anything that is against the word of God, we must reject." Right, and we we realize that one of these days, God's word is going to be vindicated. Jesus said, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away." And then he said also, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And so one of the, one of the ideas of that being fulfilled is it's all the world is going to see that God's word was truth. Everything it says is going to be vindicated and proven to be true. All right. Every high thing and what do these things do? It says that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Exalts itself, raises it up against the knowledge of God. Like in Romans 1, it says they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Second Peter 3 says they're willingly ignorant. Right? So th- and so they, they, go, they do everything they can Against the truth of God's word. So there's the battle right there. Satan and his emissaries hate the truth. So you've got Satan who's against the truth. You have the world system that's against the truth. And you also have the flesh that's against the truth. Because Romans says 8.7 says, For the carnal mind, that is the earthly mind, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So our flesh is not only not subject to the word of God, it is against the word of God. Our flesh, our old nature, hates the word of God, hates to pray, hates to do anything. You know, Jesus said, the spirit is willing that's the, re, that's the saved part of us. But the Spirit is weak. I find it interesting that the Bible says the Spirit is weak. Now, because the Spirit is weak. In fact, you know, the word weak there means helpless. It means without any ability. So the flesh is without any ability to do good. But it's, it's strong to do evil. So the flesh is weak, yeah, but it's also strong. It opposes us. Do you ever find yourself, you sit down to read the Bible and you just have a struggle sometimes and you go to pray and all these things come in your mind? Why is that? Well, because we got three enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. None of them want us to read the Bible. None of them want us to pray. None of them want us to witness. None of them them want us to serve the Lord. So, here's the answer. Two things are the answer. Number one is a submitted mind. The battles in the mind. So it says this in verse five, casting down imagination. So when a thought comes, and by the way, that's how why we need to know the truth so well that we spot anything false right away. And any time we hear anything or see anything or read anything or think anything. Contrary to the word God, we reject it, bringing into captivity. There it is, right there, verse five. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, a thought. You know what thoughts are, <coughs> but but out there, um, people talk about I'm I'm from i I'm from a certain school of thought. I have a certain philosophy. And then of course we think of thoughts, we think of individual thoughts that are Maya, and I think both apply or can be applied here. There are many thoughts that are expressed, philosophies, ideas, doctrines that are expressed out there. We are to bring all that into captivity. It's the idea of taking taking into custody arresting every thought. Bring it into obedience. To, into captivity rather to the obedience of Christ. So um, we are to think godly thoughts. We are to fill our mind with the scriptures. We are to know what the scriptures say about every issue and stand for what the Bible says. So that's the first of the keys to victory. A submitted mind to Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, is what Philippians says. And the word mind there is the idea of a mindset or an attitude. Today we hear a lot about worldview, but that all has to be brought into captivity. So um, you know we're not supposed to let our minds run wild, and then that that takes practice. That takes prayer. That takes discipline. The hardest thing to control are thoughts. The second hardest thing to control are words. And the third hardest are deeds. But it starts with a thought. Good things, bad things, sins, works of righteousness, all begin right here. All begin in the mind. You've probably said it. I've said it. I spoke before I thought. You realize that's a physical impossibility. Nothing comes out of here before, but but what enters in here, all right? I mean, you can't think. I mean, you can't speak before you think, it's because it's really quick, all right? It goes here first. We come we, you know. I guess what we should have said. We, I, 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 I should have stopped to think better before I said what I said. It's what, so there is that submission submission of our mind. Again, it takes practice. It takes discipline. It takes spiritual strength. It takes cramming, if you will, our mind and heart with Scripture, with the Word of God, and and lear, and what the message of that brother Gilmore brought the other night. I think it was Tuesday night. The whole message was, was on praise. It was all about praising God, and that's very, very important. Praise itself. It's hard to think evil thoughts when we're, when our minds are occupied with praising the Lord, and then. There is a second key, and that is this: dealing with disobedience. Those were six, and having in, in other was laying up, having a prepared a readiness to uh, revenge all disobedience when once your obedience is fulfilled. All right, so the key to this, one of the keys is this, don't try to empty your mind of everything bad. No, fill your mind with what's good and the word of God will force out all the bad stuff. But we need to be ready for that. We need to be a readiness. You know, like we sang that song, the battle cry. Um, Ready, steady, pass the word along. So we need to be ready. That's why it's so important we start off our day by putting the word of God into our minds and praying to the Lord. That's preparedness. That's readiness. You know, it's like the final pep talk before the team goes on the field or before the army takes on the battle. Remember your keys to victory. <laughs> all right. Re- re- having in readiness to revenge all disobedient. You know, the spirit, the spiritual person is never satisfied to just almost win or, or win all, or win almost all the battles or get rid of almost every thought. You no, know, or almost fill our mind. No, the the, the spirit filled Christian is never content until we're fully submitted to God, till all disobedience is gone, and when our obedience is fulfilled. In other words, when our obedience is brought to pass. And we praise the Lord for that. That's a tremendous, this is a great passage of scripture. It's meant a great deal to me over the years, and it becomes more precious all the time as I realize that the battlefield is the mind. And that's where it starts. That's where the devil you know, the devil puts thoughts. Again, as we've said uh, several times throughout this series, it started in the Garden of Eden, when the, the serpent said to Eve, hath God said, yea, hath God said. You know, well, did he really say that? And that's what—that's the—that's the argument today. That's the opening line. That's the—you know—that's the opening uh, attack, the opening shot of every attack. Did—did did God? Now it's today. It's—is there even a God, or did God ever speak, or whatever? Um, yes. Um, he has spoken to us by His Word. So may the Lord help us to be faithful to train our minds in the things of God. To reject all those thoughts. All right. Father, thank you so much for this time. Appreciated, Lord, the testimonies tonight, the favorites, uh, Josh is playing, the fact that we're singing, um, the fact that we're able to look into thy word. We just pray, Lord, that it has been pleasing in thy sight. Lord, help us to be um, as As Absalom and as his counselor said about David, David and his men were chafed in their mind. In other words, they were were trained in their mind. They were battle-tested. They were true. They were warriors. Help us to be warriors for the truth and warriors against evil. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's take our, our hymn books. Turn to number 189. Right, one hundred eighty or one hundred eighty-one, rather. Sorry, one eighty-one. Onward, Christian soldiers. <coughs> Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. All right, let's stand, please. We need to realize too. <coughs> just because we're small in number doesn't mean we're weak. We are a mighty army in the hand of God. One eighty-one. Think about John, or Jonathan and his armor bearer and all that they accomplished. I believe it was the prophet Zechariah who said, to, uh, don't not to despise the day of small things, all right? And as our brother preached on revival, he mentioned three or four revivals in this country. What, what they have in common, they started with one person. They started in the heart and mind of one person who wasn't gonna rest but was like Jacob where Jacob wrestled with God and said, I won't let thee go except thou bless me. And these individuals, sometimes it's men, sometimes it's a woman, they said, we're not going to let you go, God. We're not going to let you go till you bless us. And so that's the attitude, the heart that we need. And so one person can be mighty in the hand of God. Samson uh, slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass, all right? He couldn't have done that without God's help. Never think Samson was strong enough to whoop a thousand by himself, even though he was strong. Anyway, so let's sing. Let's sing all the verses of this great hymn, Onward, Christian Soldiers.
1: Onward, Christian Soldiers Marching as to war with the cross of Jesus Going on before nice the royal master Leads against the foe Forward into bow See his banner go Onward Christian soldiers Marching as to war With the cross of Jesus Going on before at the sign of triumph, Satan's host the fleet. On then, Christian soldiers, on to victory. Foundations quiver At the shout of praise Brothers lift your voices Loud your anthems raise Onward Christian soul just marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. One in charity Onward Christian soldiers Marching as to war With the cross of Jesus us going on before onward then ye glory, blood, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages, men and angels sing, onward, Christ. Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus
0: going on before. Amen. Amen, Joshua. Great job. It's so good to have you back there at the piano. Praise the Lord. Before I pray, I remind you, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock instead of 7, our Thanksgiving service. Please come ready for uh, favorite hymn, testimony, scripture, verse, preach, whatever, whatever you want to do. If somebody wants to preach, just stand up and let her rip, all right? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a great day, a tri- a day of trials, obviously help some of our folks, and uh, just pray that thou, Lord, would help this to pass by quickly. Please be with with Jan and with Donna and others, Lord. Um, Many households are afflicted, Brother Wesley and others, Lord, that have been having just a little bit of a struggle today physically. We're thankful that uh, you are the God who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, and we just ask that you continue to do that. Lord, we also pray tonight that as we leave this place, please clear the way of deer or any other obstacles, and Lord, please get everybody um, safely home, and we will thank thee, we'll continue to praise thee, for who thou art, and for all that you do, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.